building entirely just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation or in fact the world ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. of the Fire and Water Podcast, the official podcast of AquamanShrine.com and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the irreverent Rob Kelly from the Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, Shag? Nice to see you're alive. I am alive. I jumped out of an airplane from 12,500 feet, which for those of you that are mathematically challenged, that is over two miles up in the air, uh, soar down for 45 seconds dropping 7,000 feet in 45 seconds, which is about 100 miles an hour. Um, pulled the shoot. We pulled the chute, came on down. It was amazing. I wasn't scared at all. I thought I would be nervous. Um, it kind of worries me that at no point was I scared. You know, like maybe there's something wrong with me, but jumping out of a plane probably just in and of itself means there's something wrong with me. But then we had a landing, and it was a bit of a um, hard landing. We came down and landed on our butts. And I was like, ooh, my tailbone's a little sore. And here we are, at the time of this recording, five days later. Yeah, I had x-rays yesterday. I'm pretty sure I broke it. <laughs> so you could say that uh, my birthday was, in fact, uh, a pain in my ass. It's, so. it's, it's almost as if you shouldn't jump out of a plane. I know. Who'd have thought, right? <laughs> um, so just to... You know what, folks, because you guys are so quick in the uptake, I'm just going to feed you the fuel here for the fire. Um, yes, I broke my coccyx. That just opens the door for a 1,001 jokes all by itself. Yes, I'm sitting on a donut hemorrhoid pillow. And yes, it's a pain in my ass. So there you go, folks. Go hog wild. That's enough fuel for at least another 13 pages of feedback, Rob. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Then you'll talk about Firestorm less, I think, because you'll want to get through this. <laughs> How does he land? I don't understand. It's ironic that your hemorrhoid pillow probably looks like a zero, and it's the zero issues that we're covering today. Oh, God, what a stretch that Segway. was. Segway! <laughs> uh, well, I was going to say while I was skydiving, I had a little Firestorm action figure in my pocket, 
which was the uh, the Action League, you know, those little tiny ones. The Action League Firestorm, which is based on the Brightest Day Firestorm, which, by the way, the new Firestorm uh, number zero issue pretty much gives us uh, a slightly modified version of the Brightest Day Firestorm. There we go. Very exciting. I like my, I like my segue better. Um, folks, this is episode 30, whatever, of, of the Fire and Water podcast. And we actually toyed around with the idea of making this issue zero or episode zero of the show. But figured that would just confuse the crap out of everyone on iTunes. Plus, I hate zeros. I hate issue zeros. I hate I hate numbering things zeros. I'm not doing it. You just heard it, everybody. Rob hated Aquaman number zero. <laughs> Said it right there. Let's go ahead and send the email off to the law firm of Reese, Frodo, and Reese. Rob hated Aquaman number zero. You heard it here first. <laughs> so what's up with you, man? Well, uh, Aquaman number zero. Uh, I loved Aquaman number zero. Uh, I really, I really, I, I I hate the fact that it's labeled zero, zero. You cannot number something zero, zero is not a number. It's, it's the absence of a number, but okay, fine. Whatever. That's something we're stuck with. That's what it is. It's still an an integer, isn't it? it, Something like that. I don't know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) anyway, Aquaman number zero is by Jeff Johns, of course, uh, Prado, Reese, and uh, uh, yes, Reese, Prado, and Reese. I was about to say Reese, Prado, or something. I get confused. Uh, but nice. it, it's, it was interesting in that um, this particular issue that like that doesn't have any help in the inking department. You know, the last couple of issues, Joe has had a couple of different people helping him ink, and then this one, it's it's all them. Um, which, if they are trying to make uh, us Aquaman fans miss them less. They're not doing a good job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> doing a good job. Um, this issue actually covers quite a bit. Um, it's it's uh, it's pretty exciting. It opens up with well, I mean, it, it covers some material that we've already seen, and it's kind of interesting. I thought for a moment, like, are they going to maybe like try and uh, you know just reprint those pages <laughs> that we've already seen? Like when, a TV, like when a TV show and it's like second season is the flat flashback, flashback yeah. <laughs> they didn't do that. They could have, but they didn't do it. Um, but anyway, this this issue opens up in um, the hospital where Arthur Curry's father is lying, uh, you know, as he's sl- quickly fading uh, into into death there from his wounds received at the hands of Black Manta. He whispers something to uh, to young Arthur Curry which is that his mother is still alive and he wants his son to go find her and tell her that he still loves her and to go find Atlantis. That is the last words he speaks to his son. And then um, said we, we jump forward a little bit and we it's the scene we already saw where Aquaman is inside. And again, I keep calling him Aquaman. He's not Aquaman at this point. He's Arthur Curry. Um, Arthur Curry is inside the house and he's being hounded by the media so bad that he comes out and tears off his shirt, a little something for the ladies and the gay guys out there, and jumps. Jeez. What? 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 It's, what, it's what, sta- what what's the G's? <laughs> well, your statement, that's all. Well, you know. I, I don't want to leave the gay guys out. It's, it's the, the, the Aquaman has a fairly large gay following, and a lot of it is because he's, like, super hunky. So that's I, I guess I'm just thinking, like, they, they could have enjoyed it themselves without you having to tell them they had to enjoy it. I like, oh, now we can enjoy that part because Rob told us I because, was... you know, he called us out. <laughs> okay, we're getting bogged down in the minutiae here. Anyway. <laughs> uh, You're the one bashing. That's how is that gay bashing? He hates zero and he's a gay basher. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> just messing. Man, with this you. show is just taking a horrible it's taking turn. Taking a dark, 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 dark turn. Really. 
Anyway, good lord. Arthur Curry jumps into the water. No one enjoys that. He jumps into the water. <laughs> it's for no one. No one enjoys it, okay? God sake. <laughs> jumps into the water, right. and obviously he's been swimming around and searching for quite a while because we see that night has fallen. When he jumps into the water, it's, it's during the day, and then, you know, the next page, of the, it's, it's night. So he's splashing around, sort of uh, exploring. Um, he sees all sorts of, you know, like wrecked hulls of ships and things like that, and he senses something, and he turns around, and it's page seven. is a full-page shot of the biggest damn shark you ever saw about to eat Aquaman. And this is yet another page where, you know, I've said before that the, the, the boys, as I like to refer to them, you know, they, they pick a couple of moments out of every story. I don't know whether John's, you know, helps, you know, select these things or he just leaves it up to them. I guess I should ask them about that. Um, but they manage. Jeff's gone on the record talking about he, how he rare, very, uh, Specifically works towards creating a big moment as you turn a page. Okay. Or, I mean, so. so, okay, well, then it is, you know, a bit of a collaboration where they, they come up with these moments. But anyway, they, they have these, these big ta-da scenes. And virtually every issue of Aquaman to this point has had one or two, at least one, just incredibly, you know, like, big, big ballsy, you know, uh, big screen kind of movie moment. And um, this is that scene where Aquaman is facing down this, this shark who's facing down uh, Spielberg's jaws. Yeah. Basically. I mean, the, the, the shark's throat is like the size of the Lincoln tunnel. I mean, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> so the shark jumps after Aquaman, uh, tries to bite him. Aquaman punches a shark. That is always good. Anytime you have that in any sort of fiction, punching a shark is good. Then uh, whose who's blood is that? That's what, that's the only thing that confuses me. I'm assuming it's, it's Arthur's that it, that it nipped him a little bit. It nipped him somewhere because you see his hand really close to the shark. So I'm assuming it bit him a little bit or something. Or maybe the shark is just having eaten something and he's got you know blood coming around. But I'm assuming he, he nipped Nick Arthur in some capacity. So anyway, Aquaman punches the shark. The shark is reeling. And then Aquaman, again, Arthur Curry, just sort of instinctively starts communicating with the shark. What a, what a, what a, what a, what a, what a thing. And he, with, with what? I'm not doing it again. So <laughs> the shark responds to the command. And Aquaman, like Arthur Curry, looks shocked that he's just basically go told the shark what to go do with itself. And the shark just takes off. And you see this look on his face like, wow, I just told the shark to do that. So he makes it up to the surface, um, you know, sort of shocked at what he just did. While he's on the surface, he sees that there's a boat that is being tossed around by uh, a, a massive storm. This, the boat is being commanded by a father and his daughter. They are completely out of their element here, out of their depth. Um, the, the father gets bumped on the head or something as the ship's listing back and forth. So he gets knocked out. The boat is about to crash into some rocks when it gets lifted up into the air by Arthur Curry. And he saves their life. He saves the daughter's life and he saves the um, father's life. And it's another great moment where you see him lifting the boat into the air. It's really, really nice, wonderfully done. So the next day, the boat is docking. Arthur is talking to them about, he just admits, like, who he is. He talks about that he's from Atlantis, and, you know, they, they are like, wow, okay. Um, there's sort of a veiled reference to the creation of the New 52, where the daughter says something like, the world's been hearing about a lot of crazy things lately. So you're going to assume that is the, you know, simultaneously the creation of Wonder Woman and Superman and Batman and all these different things. Um, the the one part here, uh, page 13, is the only part that I have some, some issue with in that he mentions he's, in, he's from Atlantis. And this father 
happens to not only have heard about Atlantis, but have heard about a guy who supposedly is from Atlantis. And he knows where this guy lives, which is supposedly the coast of Norway. So it's like, you know, wow, what a crazy random happenstance that the one guy I happen to save just happens to know about the thing that I'm looking for. Um, but okay, you know, whatever. It's Well, I mean, everything's a series of coincidences in, in massive heroic origin stories. I guess so. I guess so. I, one thing I want to point out here, though, is is Arthur says here that – He's been searching for months. So when you say he came across that shark that night, no, it's it's been months since well, he's been searching. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And it's strange that he's still wearing the same pair of jeans. Oh, well, he doesn't like, have for any, months. Yeah. Well, they hold up really well. Well, den- wouldn't denim get heavy underwater? I mean, I know he's strong he's and all, very, but still, I would think that doesn't make any difference to him. I'm just thinking if you're strength. if you're gonna go without a shirt, why not just go with shorts? I I don't know. You'll have to talk to Jeff Johns about that. Well, I just you know. Okay. So anyway, uh, we cut to the coast of Norway, and the man that this guy is talking about is named Tada Volko. Woo! Uh, there you go. So uh, Arthur introduces himself. Volko immediately bows down on one knee and salutes his his king, which is a, a, a very nice moment. He says the, he's he's tearful and that the queen's son is alive, as he says. Did you get choked up? No, I did. Okay, good. I kid you not. At that moment, it was just like I, I got a little choked up. Okay, good. Well, then it worked on you. Um, now, here's the point where Volko lays a whole lot of pipe, as they say in the movie business. Um, <laughs> I hate that. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> in that he tells Arthur pretty much the entire backstory of what, uh, what's been going on, that his mother is now deceased, how his mother and Arthur Curry met, the fact that she had to go back to Atlantis because, after she had to bore a son, which was, of course, was Arthur. She had to go back to Atlantis because uh, the, the, the the sort of ruling elite of Atlantis wanted her to come back, and she felt that her husband and her son would never be safe as long as she stayed on land. So she returns to Atlantis. She's forced into a marriage with the captain of the Atlantean Guard, and they bear uh, another son, uh, Orm. So there we go. It's all falling into place here. Told you. I don't think I denied that. Oh, you said that you didn't think Orm would be like biological brother thing. I did not say that. I never oh. said that. Ladies and gentlemen, pull out the tapes. Yeah, you go find that. You go oh. find that. I guess I'm on it. Okay, go ahead. So anyway, he says on Orm's twelfth birthday, the father was killed. So so he's gone. So Orm has in in and over the years, Orm has taken over running of running Atlantis. But as uh, Volko says, he's running it as sort of a despot. He's a harsh and violent rule. So he wants Arthur Curry to reclaim the mantle as uh, as is uh, fitting. Um, he gives Arthur a bunch of these uh, the, the 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 totems, which we've seen in the others storyline, including you know, the this necklace that he wears. We see him wearing in the Justice League. And uh, Arthur talks about that he wa- he would love to have talked to his mother, and Volko says, "Well, you can because your mother is buried in Atlantis." So they go back to Atlantis. They get close, and then we see that Arthur immediately feels like he's home. And he says, I feel excited. I am home, aren't I? Yes. And then the, the whole book ends with a um, reverse, uh, a, uh, I guess, vertical two-page spread uh, of Atlantis. And this thing is just magnificent, this, this thing. And it ends with the title of the book, the title of the story, which is Underwater, and it says, Far From the End. And that is Aquaman number zero. Um, my first thoughts was I really love this issue. I really did. And as much as I've been enjoying the others storyline, it dawned on me reading this how much I missed 
Aquaman being the star of his own book. Because this issue was all Aquaman. And it was like, that's what I wanted. You know, I'm enjoying the others, and I will buy the Prisoner of War spinoff book if they do it. But um, <laughs> I really am – I really love that, that – you know, it was like I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed Aquaman being <laughs> center stage. So um, I, I really love this issue, and the art is always as gorgeous. Uh, like I said, if, if they're trying to – if the guys are trying to, like, maybe phone it in a little bit so they will miss them less – they're they're failing at that because this is, I'm going to miss them that much more. I mean this this shot of of Atlantis is just gorgeous. It's just beautiful all the way around, and it's, bre- uh, it's breathtaking. It is, and a perfect way to end the issue. I mean, it really is like a, another like kapow kind of moment. So, um, you know, I did think that the Volko scene was maybe a little heavy handed in terms of how much dialogue he's got to impart, how much explaining he's got to do. It's not a big deal in the end, and I love the stuff with the shark. I love this issue all the way around, just from, from, from beginning to end. I really did. So, I got a couple questions. How did Arthur know his mom was queen of Atlantis? Because I guess the dad told him before all this happened? I guess. There's, there's going to be whole lots of things that we don't... Yeah, I don't know offhand. I, I would imagine the father did tell him that. Or so. Although... Because he's on the ship talking to that girl, and he... If I remember right, yeah, um, yeah, she she dumps it on her that you know he says that she was queen. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming that the father told him. That. Although it seems like he's a, he seems like he's bringing up Atlantis for the first time. Right. That's kind of where I was confused about. Yeah. And then help me remember in the in the previous issues we saw as you said some of these scenes already. Where is it that Aquaman kills um, Black Manta's dad? Is it on before the all of this? Oh. Um... Is it in between some of these pages? I'm going to assume, yes, I'm going to assume it's in between. I'm going to assume it's after page one. Okay, so it was the, after his dad was dying. After the, when yeah, he, after the father dies, but bet- okay. between the thing with him and Shin. And, and the, so, yeah, it's, it's basically between pages two and three. After Arthur went to go kill Black Manna. Right, and, and he ends up killing killed. the father. Right. right, okay. I just couldn't remember the whole sequence of things. Right. So, um, but, but I got to echo what you said, man. This issue was great. Absolutely wonderful. It like, like the very first issue of Aquaman was very Aquaman focused, and you know, and, and made me. Even though it was brief, it made me very happy. You know, having an Aquaman book back, and this is probably the first issue since then that I felt like, wow, this is a real Aquaman book. I mean, I, I'm enjoying the other comic, and like I said, like you said, I'm, I'm just waiting for Prisoner of War spinoff. Right. But um, this really did make me miss the Aquaman stuff, and and the final page was like. I want to read more of this. Yes. It, not knocking the others, but <laughs> I like, realized, oh, I'm like, next issue we're going to go back to learning about the Black Mana battle. I mean, well, that'll be exciting. I, I want to I read about Arthur's adventures in Atlantis. I want to know. I want to find out what happens with Orm. You know, I'd rather we have like four issues of that right now. Yeah, and, and I want to see more shark punching. Shark punching is good. There's nothing wrong with shark punching. Yep. Um, that was fun. And I like how, I mean, even the way they, they kind of strung the credits out to like, I don't know, six or seven pages in and did a one per panel. Very those, movie-like. Very, very Yeah. Movie-like. Those panels of him exploring the ocean were very nice. Yeah, they were very cinem- cinemagraphic. You're right. And, uh, yeah, that, that shot where he's saving the boat is just absolutely gorgeous. Now, uh, it's worth mentioning that, um, and we're just going to touch on this, you know, every one of the Zero Issues has a Who's Who entry in the back. Yes, yes. And, and and the images they chose for the Aquaman one is, uh, you know, that great shot we're always talking about where he's pulling the boat. Yes, I said on the shrine that uh, that, that image was going to be like the Aquaman image. 
anytime you needed some – and I was right. It's the one they used. I, I think it's going to be like the Aquaman shot uh, for, for merchandise or for any other type of thing. You just need a little single inset of Aquaman. That's the picture they're going to use, and uh, they've already used it. <laughs> yep. So we'll, we'll talk more about the Who's Who entries on probably our next Who's Who podcast or a future Who's Who podcast. So yes. we're not going to delve too much into those here. But, um, but I was happy to have it. Yeah, it was really exciting to, to flip the page and be like, oh. But, yeah, Atlanta, I, I've actually spent <laughs> probably too much time studying Atlantis, like looking at it and trying to study it, see what I could figure out from the statues and the architecture. And then I spend time thinking about, like, how they build a statue underwater and just spent a lot of time looking at this picture. Yeah, it's really it's, impressive. It's beautiful. It really is. The guys, the, the guys are just huh, going to miss you. Well, you know what? They, they deserve to go to the number one selling book in the world. Yes. They do. Yes, so. absolutely. So if the jewels are so important, I wonder why he stopped wearing them. I don't know. I'll have to find that out. And, did he, and he didn't even wear them when they swam into a no, he's not wearing them. No, he's not wearing them there. Yeah, I don't know. Because he's a little shy about his bling still. He's young, <laughs> you know. There was one picture of Volko, which I, I thought he was going to turn evil. Okay. Like when they, they first talk into each other. Mm-hmm. And Volko like goes in his little closet. And you know he's already a crazy guy living at home alone. So you're thinking, you know, it could be a Jeffrey Dahmer closet or something. Anyway, he goes in his closet and he's like throwing stuff around. There's like a close-up shot of his face and he's throwing books and stuff around to try and get to something. And he's got such a crazed expression on his face. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, they're going to do a switcheroo and he's going to be bonkers. I'm glad they didn't you know, do that. I'm glad they didn't do that too. I like – I never even imagined Volko having anything but white hair. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I like making him a little, a, a little younger, and I like that uh, Johns has flipped the dynamic, which is, of course, previously Ocean Master and Aquaman shared a father, and now they share a mother. Uh, and and of course, the big, the big schism between the two of them will be Aquaman will eventually dethrone his brother for Atlantis, which of course I would imagine would piss off Ocean Master pretty, pretty much. You know, so, I never even th- – I didn't even think about that until you mentioned it. Yeah, because one of the big deals was always that Arthur could breathe underwater and Orm couldn't. Right. And now now that problem solved. Right. They've changed – yeah. I mean he's take, he's kept the dynamic but but changed the origins of it, which, you know, is fine with me. I mean it's – again, this is a new Aquaman. This is, a, you know, the new 52 and they've made some changes. and But they've kept the basic idea of it. And, I'm, you know, it's like, okay, they did that for a while and for the longest time and now they're trying something different. But the same – idea of having a, your, a supervillain who is your brother is, is retained, which I think is important because I think it's yeah. an important part of the character's history. The spirit of the character's there, yeah. if, not the, if not the letter, which is perfectly fine. Yeah. And the different relationship about uh, Atlantis, quite honestly, it, I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with whatever relationship they give Arthur in the beginning with Atlantis simply because it changed so many times through the 60s and oh, 70s yeah. and 80s, oh, yeah, his, yeah. his status in Atlantis and that, you know, any position you've come up with for him being involved with Atlantis has been in it before. Yep. So he can rationalize that. Yeah, anything's fine. Out- exile, outcast, whatever. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Fun stuff. Loved it. Yeah. I, just, I was thrilled overall. I said, I, I am happy with the others, but I am also happy to see it end and have Aquaman and Mira be the stars of the book again. So. Yeah, and now I'm, I'm really anxious for the Orm story. I was, like, kind of excited before, but now I'm like, woo! And, by the way, there's some really nice layouts. You know, we didn't mention this specifically. Like, some panel design and, and stuff the guys did in this one. Like, there's one page where it's the nine-panel grid, and there's a background of the boat anchored off. When there's, he's with the, the dad and the wife. Right. And, by the way, just, just for Hector's sake. The dad and sake, the, daughter. the daughter. I'm sorry, the dad and the daughter, yeah. Just for Hector's sake, I haven't said anything about the daughter yet, but 
you know, I'm controlling myself. Oh, I see for Hector's okay. <laughs> right. Hector's fussing about me and uh, my attraction to beautiful women. So anyway, so, and I mean, there's other here, there's seven, you know, horizontal panels. I mean, there's just some really creative panel design throughout this whole book. So you know, really you, great since, stuff. You know, since you went after me so viciously earlier, I'm going to go after you a little viciously. I don't, I don't think Hector is complaining about your attraction to beautiful women. I think Hector's uh, problem was that you, when you mention women, it is always just related to their appearance. It's not true at all. I talk about how Mara's a strong person. I just okay. also acknowledge their appearance. Okay. All right. there's, a, there's a distinct difference. All right. Hector, uh, yes, write I, in and tell us what your I do talk. Well, go back and listen to the tapes. I definitely talk about their appearance because, again, I'm a fan of women in every form. They're all beautiful. <laughs> and I also talk about their personality. Like, Mara is an incredibly strong woman. I think she's a great role model. She's a much better female role model than many of the other female characters in the DC universe. And she deserves a place in the front. Okay. All right. Fair enough. We good? We're good. All right. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> The Fury of Firestorm, The Nuclear Men, uh, number zero, by Joe Harris. What, one last time, by the way. Yeah. For Joe Harris, Gilderay Snar, Marlo Elquiza, Travis Lanham, Hi-Fi, uh, and uh, Firestorm created by Jerry Conway and Al Milgram. Ding! There it is. So, yep, this is their, This is the last issue for the creative team of Harris, Sinar, and Elquiza. Um, I'm sad to see them go. Uh, I think they've had a fun run. I think, uh, you know, Yildare's been with us since the beginning. Joe's been with us since about halfway through the book, and Marlo's been with us for about the last five. These guys have worked their tails off to try and write the best book, to write and draw the best book they can. Um, certainly the sales haven't been there. I mean, there's no denying that. That's why the whole book's rebooting. But they've still done everything they can to make it the best possible book, and I think they've done a great job. Uh, this issue picks up from uh, issue 12, where issue 12, Firestorm, was basically wiped out. All the Firestorms were wiped out. There were many Firestorms. All of them lost their power. Jason and Ronnie were returned to their normal human cells and went back to high school, basically, at the very end. They're like, well, let's go back and get back to our lives. So this issue is truly is, it's, it, it could serve as a number one. It could serve, it serves as well as a number zero. It's a good jumping on point. So as the book starts, Jason is doing some science experiments in, in school. He's a high school student. He's, he's, like a boy genius. He's doing some scientific experiments with beakers and fire and all this stuff. And he's sort of thinking back to his time as Firestorm and how he kind of misses the excitement. Um, his lab partner's a bit of a typical high school dweeb who just, not dweeb, but, uh, you know, somebody's not really into the academics. So she goes off. She wants to go make a phone call. She's more interested in her cell phone than doing the science. Jason gets distracted, um, reminiscing, finds himself with his hand over the Bunsen burner, and it's not even bothering him. And he's, uh, he sort of remembers one of their foes, uh, a villain named Helix. And at that moment, uh, there's a bit of an explosion or a big of uh, uh, some sort of chemical reaction or, or energy reaction inside the lab. And floating all around the room now are red and yellow balloons. Uh, Jason was actually had been thinking about balloons and such before. So it appears that Jason's powers are coming back in a weird way. And uh, he's a little freaked out by that. She goes to see Ronnie Raymond who's just coming off the football field. Ronnie is uh, sort of the all-star the all -star player of the team. He's the quarterback. He's the one that all the scouts are out watching. He's getting ready for college. Uh, doesn't care much about academics. In fact, Jason's doing his, uh, his homework for him, uh, his trigonometry homework. And um, there's still some tension between these guys. I mean, they, they have a grudging respect for one another. I mean, Ronnie actually pays Jason compliments, and Jason sort of pays Ronnie some compliments. And if nothing else, he's doing his homework for him. And... 
when Jason mentions his powers are returning, Ronnie gets really ticked. He's like, I don't want anything to do with this. I want to chase girls. I want to have fun. I want to get in trouble. I want to go to college and play ball. That's all I want to do. So he kind of shuts Jason down when Jason wants to make sure they go through this and you know, investigate it properly. So comes the time of the big game. Jason's up in the stands watching the game, though I'm not really sure why because he's not really a football fan. But there you have it. And suddenly there's you know, more energy floating around and craziness going on. Jason and Ronnie can both sense it. And lo and behold, uh, this villain that we saw a sneak peek of before, Helix, reappears. Big as life, boo, when he's there and he's spouting off his typical kind of crazy banter that he says. Yeah, nice night for a football game. Put me in, coach. You know, just crazy stuff. Put me and, in, uh, coach. Is like that's like the phrase. That's like the catch. Right. Well, he was always you know spouting the crazy you know um, crazy stuff. We'll just leave it at that. But um, so anyway, Jay, Ronnie's freaking out. Jason runs out there and uh, actually tries to save Ronnie. They touch, or Jason actively reaches out to touch Ronnie to try and activate their Firestorm powers, thinking that they would both transform back into their individual Firestorms, and instead what they find is they have merged into a single singular Firestorm, uh, who looks very much uh, like our, you know, our, the Firestorm we knew from the old 52. This looks very much like the brightest day Firestorm. There's certainly some modifications, there's some cool touches that Yildray have added that I really like. But it's essentially a modified version of the Brightest Day Firestorm. And Ronnie is apparently in control of the body. Jason is the passenger, you know, kind of the, the mold you would expect. They're both confused, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and, and Jason and Ronnie sort of have to work together. Ronnie's flying around trying to figure out what to do. And Jason's saying, let me take control. I can, I can do this. I know, you know, I know the science. So Jason... Without, I don't know if he actually takes control of the body or takes control of the powers. They're not real clear on that. So I don't know, you know if Ronnie was still driving the bus, if you will, or, or, or what. But they do some very sciencey stuff. Um, <laughs> well said. Well, yeah, you like that? And uh, they basically figure out a way to very quickly take out Helix. And, and then it sort of overwhelms them. They, they've got Helix contained in this little tiny sphere about the size of a softball. And it looks like it's basically kind of going critical or, or, you know, it's, we have a lot more to learn here, obviously, because they don't go into a lot of the details, but I'm not sure whether it's going critical or if Jason's trying to push it further and further, almost like he talks about unmaking uh, Helix atom by atom. So maybe by messing with the organic material material involved, it causes the problem. I'm not sure which. Either way, they have to go up in orbit and release this energy, and there's an enormous explosion in orbit. And they go flying to the ground. They crash into the ground. Apparently, at some point here, they split back into their independent parts of Jason and Ronnie. And they kind of sit there for a moment, absorbing what's going on. And uh, they make a couple statements, basically saying, yeah, maybe we need to work together on this. And that's how the issue ends, at the beginning. Just the, yes, the beginning. The beginning, which is a great way to end. I mean, being the reboot. reboot. Um, next issue starts Dan Jurgens' run on the book. And it is being hailed as sort of a, a relaunching of the title, which is kind of interesting that they let Joe Harris and Yildre Sinar and Marlo Alquiza do the reboot for the next creative team. You know, typically what you get is you, know, you would expect Dan Jurgens to write the reboot and then take it forward. But here in this case, you get the outgoing team writes the reboot and sort of hands it off to Dan Jurgens. So, yeah, I'd be interested to see next issue if Dan Jurgens changes it even more. You follow what I'm saying? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. A um, couple different things as we go through this. Um, love the art. Love the story. Love the direction. Uh, I'm going to 
sort of nitpick just a few things um, because it's a little easier to focus on those. Sorry. Um, Helix kind of is, is gnawing at me. Helix kind of came back out of nowhere, wasn't around very long, and they took care of him pretty quick. Now, I get it's a comic book. It's a specifically a superhero comic book. you got to have a bad guy to fight. Makes sense. Aquaman got a shark. Firestorm gets Helix. You know, you got to have some sort of conflict. So, you know, I was – I honestly, I could have read 20 pages of just Ronnie and Jason going back and forth. I would have been perfectly fine with that. I enjoyed their scenes together. I enjoyed their personality conflicts. But I get it. You know, superhero comic, got to have a bad guy. So they did Helix. But I'm wondering if Helix wasn't really Helix because um, he died back in like issue three or something like that. And as Jason's kind of messing around with the Bunsen and Burner, you see Helix's face. So Jason created the balloons and you see Helix's face. I wonder if Jason accidentally created, he recreated Helix. Hmm. Like maybe it's not even Helix. Maybe it's a construct, a Firestorm construct of Helix. And, and since this is written by Joe Harris versus... Dan Jurgens, I don't know that we'll ever find out, you know, unless Joe talks about an interview or something. But um, so I don't know if Helix actually came back, or maybe, or maybe Jason reformed. So maybe it really is Helix, and Jason reformed him. But I think Jason's powers being triggered here is the reason Helix came back. Um, I like the balloons. I thought that was a nice touch, especially since they're far from colors. I just dig that. I like how Yildare had a couple, a few opportunities to just show Jason and Ronnie in their you know, uh, New 52 Firestorm Protocol costumes just being all like, there's a couple different pages of that. I really dig that. So I'm glad we got to see those, you know, cool poses one last time. And uh, let's see, I had a couple more other comments. Jump in here anytime you got something, though. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about this one. I, I uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> really? I, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, you Are you going to say that? Like, you mean, you've been saying that for like, this is the 13th comic you said that on. Okay, well, there we go. Uh, I, uh, I, I, uh, I posted a picture on the shrine today of um, Aquaman done by Ildere, and I would think Ildere would be a great replacement for the for the boys on Aquaman. I don't think that that's happening. Um, in fact, I'm almost positive that's not happening, but that's a shame. Um, I will. Um, I can't promise that I will like buy other books that Ildere draws just because he's drawing them. Because I just there isn't. I don't think there's any artist who I buy just because they're drawing in the book. Um, but. Um, I will, you know, like to me, what I get out of this run on Firestorm is the discovery of Ildere and as, as an artist who I really like. So I'll be interested in seeing what he does following Firestorm. But I well, they, ju- they, they just announced, uh, he just announced, I think yesterday maybe even, or the day before, he's going to be drawing a couple issues of Earth 2. I know he's going to be doing Earth 2, yeah. I yeah. thought he was going to be doing something else. I thought he... There I think he has something, something else, else in the works. Something else in the works. Um, yeah. So all I can talk about at this moment is Earth 2 and me being a Justice Society fanatic. um, I can't wait. I just can't wait to see those. Um, Really excited to to see him working on Justice Society. Yeah, I I, I feel like the New 52 brought a lot of interesting talent to the fore. I mean, not that like Reese Potter and Reese weren't known before this, but I feel like they really came into the room with the Sagamu book. And I feel like Firestorm, you know, helped give us a new talent uh, who – I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, other work by, and I'm and I'm looking forward to Jurgens bringing Firestorm back to a version that I, at, at this moment at least, am more sort of interested in reading. I, I, well, first I, I do want to mention Yildare is also very well known for drawing Legion of Superheroes shortly before Flashpoint. Oh, okay, I didn't. So, um, yeah, and you'll see him do post a lot of really great Legion pictures. So he's he's definitely had a rep before then, but having a brand new number one during the New Fifty Two certainly helped boost right. his. Uh, profile um 
you know, I, I'm, I'm of two minds. I'm sad to see Harris and Yildirim go. You know, they've worked really hard to tell their story, and they didn't get to finish it. Right. You know, they, they wrapped it up, but they didn't get to finish their story. Right. And I still would have liked very much to have read that. I think they're going in a very interesting sort of darker direction. You know, it was definitely a different version of Firestorm, but it still, you know, it had its own merits. Um, and the other side, you know, I'm very excited to have Jurgens on the way. I mean, I love Jurgens stuff. He's so great. His Justice League um, International stuff was just fanta- fantastic. And he, I mean, I can list a whole litany of books he's done that I absolutely love. So I think getting the more lighthearted, more fun traditional Firestorm with him and, and, and having it be Ronnie and Jason is really exciting. So I'm looking forward to that too. So it's, you know, it's, it's a, what is it, a bittersweet? Bittersweet. bittersweet. Yeah. So um, I did like to see, I mean, as a Firestorm fan, I was totally like over the moon seeing this merged Firestorm, you know, that looks like the classic Firestorm. I was just like totally giddy as a schoolgirl, just like, yeah. So, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, come, I, come on. And I just I, found I, the sting for the show. I, I'm sorry. I have been, I have been a good sport. Let me just put it that way. When Firestorm Number One was solicited, I was excited for it. But like everyone else, I, I had expected a brightest day Firestorm. Right. You know that that version of Firestorm. I went with it. I loved the protocol stories. I loved working with everybody. But you know, I kind of expected the brightest day Firestorm. So twelve months later, I get my essentially brightest day Firestorm. So I'm allowed to be excited. You've been a good soldier. Yes, I have. So. Um, I just, I just can't wait, man. And, you know, I, I thought a lot about Ronnie and Jason's dynamic here because, I mean, Ronnie's kind of a dick through a lot of this. But I realize as you read the pages and you look back at the different stuff, he's only a dick to Jason, which is interesting. Like, everyone else he's, like, super nice to, and he's, like, you know, a cool guy. And, you know, he's, he's Mr. Macho or whatever. But he's not a jerk to anybody except Jason. It's just like you ever have somebody that you get to know, and for whatever reason, you just never agree on anything. And you're stuck together. For whatever reason, two people could be stuck together doing something over and over, maybe even weekly. And they just they, – they never see eye to eye. They disagree about everything. But it just happens that way yeah. if you get where I'm going. Yeah, you're talking about um, Siskel and Ebert in the, the movie. Right? Oh, right. Yes, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> anyway, in conclusion, um, loved Firestorm. Um, so excited to see – you know. Uh, Sad to see it end, but so excited to see where we're going. And also, you know what? I'm also excited because there's a whole bunch of people that are willing to try it with issue 13. Right. There's a lot of people previously that had checked out. They said, I'm done. But they're now willing to say, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot with 13. Let's see how it goes. And that, I'm just excited for Firestorm. I want the character to be successful. I'm excited for Joe Harris who's going off to work on his Great um, Great Pacific series, uh, which looks incredibly cool from Image Comics coming out in November. You guys definitely need to check that out. Joe Harris is writing that. That's about the great Pacific garbage patch. Oh, looks so good. Yildo Ray Sinar is going to Earth 2 for a couple issues. <laughs> then he's got something. That just didn't sound right there. He's going <laughs> to Earth 2. We're shunting him off across the multiverse. Yildo Ray's going to fight Nazis. It's going to be great. That's right. Yildo Ray, uh, I'm calling you. Uh, that's, that's my... There's the FDR. There we are. <laughs> Yildo Ray's going to Earth 2 for a couple months, and then he's going to be working on another project. Marlo is recovering. He, he hurt his leg, so he's sort of recovering from injuries, but he's got some projects hopefully down the pipe too. He didn't, so... he didn't bruise his coccyx doing some jackass stunt? <laughs> And there's your first mention of Coxons. Everyone take a drink. Uh, anyway, uh, enough rambling on my part. We'll talk about the Firestorm Who's Who entry later. And uh, with that, folks, um, we're going to go to break. And yes. Then uh, gonna... I'm, I'm sorry. 
I was going to say we'll come back after that with some listener, lots of listener lots feedback. of listener feedback. What you're going to hear in the meantime is, um, of course, uh, those of you who stuck around, who stuck around for the sting of the last uh, episode, heard Michael Bailey's audition uh, to replace Shag when he died from falling uh, out of the plane. Um, I almost wrecked my Jeep when I heard that. That's great. Now, see, that would have been ironic that our joking right. you joking about you dead caused you to die. That would have been really funny and ironic in a lot of ways. Um, you guys, Stinger, go back and listen to it. It's right. It. It's a great Stinger. Now, what you don't know is that Michael sent me some alternatives, uh, some alternative takes, uh, which I didn't use. I just used the one in the the end there. So, in the middle here, in the, in the break, you're going to hear another alt, alt take that he sent, which I thought was the version um, that he record that he recorded, which you're going to hear in a couple seconds. I thought was a little too downbeat um, because it and it didn't contrast well with the, uh, the 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 cheerfulness that we had over Shag dying. So, the, you know, it, it, to me, it just set the tone in a wrong way. So that's why I didn't use it. But, it, but uh, you know, look at it as like it's part of like a bootleg series of, of Michael. So you can enjoy that. It's only about like 30 seconds or so. Um, enjoy that. And, uh, and then we'll come so, back so for we, listener we, feedback. We've got a whole series of Shag snuff films, basically. It's great. Snuff yeah, audio. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, thanks, guys. I, I especially like the bit where you say we'll chat about it more at the memorial service, <laughs> as if, like, you're going to transact business at my wake. I thanks so much. I thought you'd be touched that we were having a memorial service. I would, I would assume somebody would. I mean, you know. Oh, look who – somebody thinks a lot of My wife and children, perhaps. Okay. All right. Who knows? Maybe Michael's going to fill in there, too. I have no idea. I don't know what's going oh, on. Oh, I'm sure his wife, Rachel, will really appreciate that. <laughs> Michael's a swinging guy. So anyway, uh, <laughs> when we come back with listener feedback, Shag will be gone and replaced by Michael Bailey. So enjoy that. And uh, we'll see you. <laughs> we'll see you shortly. Bye. See you in a minute. <laughs> Hello and welcome once again to the Fire and Water podcast, soon to be renamed the Superman Aquaman Hour of Adventure podcast after Firestorm is inevitably canceled. This is the official podcast of the AquamanShrine.com and the Fortress of Baileytude.com. My name is Mike and with me as always is my good friend Rob. How's it going, Rob? All right, folks, we're back from break, and now it's time for... Listener's Feedback! And boy, it is a ton of feedback, as always. You guys are amazing. In fact, we've got so much and really not enough time to cover all of it. What we're going to do, rather than blow through all of it and give short shrift, whatever Rob's word is... Short shrift. um, That's not my word. It's a word in the English language. Yeah, just like laying pipe. Anyway, so... Um, That's a phrase. Instead of, instead of shortchanging. You don't know what a phrase and a word is. Hey, it's two different hey, things. grown-ups are talking. Grown-ups are talking. Just wait your turn. Oh, go sit uh, on your hemorrhoid pillow, for God's sakes. It really hurts. Oh, my oh my butt hurts so bad, guys. Your, Rob is a pain in my ass. You like that? See how I can spin that? Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, a recording with Rob is a pain in my ass. So what we're going to do is instead of trying to blaze through all of it and giving short sh- whatever, shortchange some people, um, we're going to cover feedback from just two episodes. And then next time we'll cover two episodes as well. So that way we were able to give a little more time for it. So we're going to cover episode 29, which was the Dragon Con episode that me and Rob uh, recorded. Um, that's a little in-joke for you, those of you that listened to it. It was actually me and my uh, semi-regular buddy, uh, Michael Bailey. And, an uh, eventual replacement, Michael Bailey. An eventual replacement for, for this show. And then also uh, we're going to cover feedback from episode number 30, which is where we talked about Aquaman number 12. Right. So, And we're going to save the feedback from the Robot Chicken episode 
which was awesome, by the way. Uh, the feedback on that's great. We're going to save that for next time, folks. Right. All right. So, uh, feedback. Uh, well, actually, we're going to start off some Aquaman Shrine content, so why don't we jump right in? This is from episode 30, Rob, the Aquaman uh, number 12 review. Right. This is from Chad Bokelman. He says, Rob, the Fire and Water podcast is rapidly, yeah, I made a rapidly joke, becoming my favorite comics podcast, second only to Comic Geek Speak. I'd include the Lantern cast, which is, of course, Chad's own podcast, in there as well, but that seems a little self-serving. Just wanted to swing by and say that I love the show. So, thank you. Again, people, people think that telling us that we're their second favorite show is, is a good thing. I know. It's weird. We run into that a lot. I know. It's very strange. Hey, uh, Rob, my second favorite co-host. Yeah. <laughs> See? See? Yeah, it's, it's, I know. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's backhanded. Chad, screw you. All right, Chad? That's what I said. <laughs> um, yeah, Chad also just mentions briefly about how, similarly to Shag, he did not feel a whole lot when Vostok bit the big one. And uh, yeah, I think that's true of most people. I think that they were, you know, it just didn't hit because you just didn't know the guy all that, all that much. But, you yeah. know. He makes some good points about John, about Jeff Johns. I mean, not putting Jeff Johns down at all, just that after, you know, 10, 12 years of reading Jeff Johns' comics and him writing three books a month on top of his already probably busy schedule, it, there's not as much a surprise factor as we used to feel. Right. You know, it's always a good comic, but it's not like the energy we used to get out of, say, maybe the old JSA issues or the early Green Lantern stuff he did. Right. Uh, we also got an email, of course, from little Russell Burbage of uh, <laughs> Fort, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, he says, I agree with both of you, Rob and Chad. I like that, Chad. Aquaman is an excellent book, but all this mysteriousness works against liking or caring about the characters. Aquaman he's, is talking about, he's talking about Chad Bokelman, the, the comment right above it. Oh, is that what he – oh, okay. I yeah. He was responding. Do, you, do you even read your own site? Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy. That's how much he cares about Aquanauts, folks. Just keep that in mind. Aquaman. Oh, whatever. Okay. Anyway, he just says, love the podcast, by the way, consistently entertaining. So thank you very much, Russell. Meant me, but anyway. Yes. We also got an email from Daniel Cynical Adams. Rob, how on earth could you not love Transformers? (laughs) That's so wrong. Uh, Easily. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. So Autobots, transform, and yeah. flow. I mean, that's yeah. just part of our DNA, man. It's terrible, terrible. Um, so, <laughs> of course, got an eat got it. As, as Dan points out, we hate everything he likes. And I actually had a conversation with Dan via Facebook the other day, and we got into something, and we came up with something else, and I said that how much he's like, oh, and I really love this. I forget what it was. And I was like, yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> so <laughs> whatever it is that Dan likes, I don't like. It's just the way it is. Sorry, Dan. Oh, Dan, let's go, ahead, let's go ahead and start the anti-Bob Dylan podcast. Kevin Smith's run on Green Arrow. That's what it was. He said he loved that, and I hated that book. So I like that, too. There you go. So whatever. We got it. The cynical and shag podcast. I'm, I'm warming to that's this. That's good. I like it. And I have good music. That's for sure. That's true. We got, of course, got an email from Da Blue Frank, who sent his uh, comments in randomly numbered. Like comment number two is, is listed as number two. Comment number three is also listed as two. And then he skips ahead to fourteen, forty-one X. Uh, there's a little like a nuclear symbol for one of his comments. He really went all out. I don't know. He must have a. A font or something. He used to drop these little codes in. It was great. What is a uh, wingdings? He's the master. Oh, wingdings. wingdings. I guess he's doing wingdings. Uh, he's using that that secret racist font. Um, but oh he, my god! He mentions. Uh, you never heard that story. But anyway, um, point number fourteen. It occurs to me that the live action episode was probably a preemptive passive aggressive strike by Rob against the Dragon Con episode. <laughs> 
That's entirely possible, Dan, uh, Frank. <laughs> that is entirely possible. Um, I like uh, I like that he, he wished us happy birthday, by the way, because the Fire and Water podcast is officially over a year old now. Yes, it is. Um, I like his suggestion about how how come there was never a '90s Black Mana two. I mean, it makes in hindsight, it makes perfect sense. I mean, every character was getting revamped or having like legacy successors in the '90s. That's true. How come we never? I mean, we, we got close. We had the the Manta Ray. Yeah, they did kind of revamp him. They just, but it was the yeah. same guy. Yeah, so. true. He also, in response to us talking about that the Frank episode was not a popular episode, he wrote, Haters gonna hate. For you folks jealous of my appearance on a podcast with dozens of listeners, that hurt. Why don't you build your own daily blog devoted to a character with so little commercial potential that DC would rather give Dial H for Hero another try in the New 52 than your guy so you can earn my level of fame? Also, I prefer to it as having my mind wiped the podcast to make sure it was ready for a coming threat in summer of 2013, possibly a Brett Ratner Justice League movie. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Haters gonna hate. Haters we gonna love hate. Frank on the show. We can't have wait we, to have him back. Yeah, and then the, the need, yes, we just need a good reason. Uh, yeah, well, I think the reason is we want to have him back on. So, well, okay, but I meant to talk about something. <laughs> okay, and then there's one last point I wanted to mention is Warner Brothers has had the rights to the DC property since the Nixon administration, and, has, and hasn't produced as many good movies in 20 years as Marvel has in four. They're chasing after the Avengers like Battle Beyond the Stars chase Star Wars. That's my favorite line of of everything he wrote. That's great. I doubt they've even got a good Superman movie in the pipeline, much less an entire Justice League. I I unfortunately have to agree with you there, Frank. I like how he came in here with point um, trident, I think is what this is. Has there ever been a Firestorm theme intermission? There's just been so many Aquaman ones. Well, well, there's not a lot of Firestorm audio. Oh, there's two seasons of Super Friends, my friend. I, and then I, there's a couple issues of uh, a couple episodes of Brave and the Bold. I'm just saying. Right. I tend to use those for stingers. I think if you count them up, Firestorm gets more stingers than Aquaman does. That's just YouTube videos of people making fun of Firestorm. No, it's that's not count. true. I've used. No. And then there's um there's that Infinite Crisis audio I sent you. Oh, there is that. I got to wade through that whole thing to find. Oh, it's really good. You okay, should. Okay. Uh, and then uh, I do like this. This is a nice little knock. And uh, comment number nuclear. Um, <laughs> Nuclear. Between my between having to break my comments in half and struggling to get through the word verification, I just remembered why I prefer leaving lengthy comments on Firestorm fans' WordPress page. I, I completely agree with that. I, bloggers, bloggers' word capacha thing is ridiculous. Unfortunately, when I turned off the the the, the comment, the, the uh, you know capacha thing, I got so much spam like within 15 minutes that I was like, I had to go back to the capacha. Yeah. but I don't like it. Believe me, I agree, guys. Um, but then, you know, so as much as I love Frank's comments, he then pissed me off with a follow-up comment uh, what? regarding well, Aquaman. That was, that's, that's for the next episode. Is it? Yeah. No, he's talking about Aquaman number 12. Uh, you, can, you can mention it if you want. Yeah, well, thank but it's you. From, it's, he put it on the Robot Chicken episode. Oh, well, go ahead. But that has nothing to do with Robot Chicken, though. All right, go he ahead. He says, I've grown terribly fatigued with the, to be kind, brisk pacing on Aquaman and its excess of pinups. I'm dropping the book because of this. No, Frank. No, you cannot <laughs> drop Aquaman. No, no, bad, bad, Frank, bad, bad. Fr- no, you cannot drop. Look, if you want to drop a Batman book, go ahead, because there's 10 million other people that are going to buy the Batman. Aquaman needs every single sale he can make. Do not drop the book, Frank, please. I'll send you the three bucks a month so you buy, but don't drop the book, please. Isn't Aquaman outselling most Batman books? Yes, but I, but there's well. But you have to remember, there's like twelve Batman books. Sure. I, my, still. Our friend Mike Gillis made this comment on Facebook. I forget what it was, 
what it was exactly related to. But he was talking about – I know. He was talking about people saying, oh, I'm just going to drop the book now that John's leaving and the guys are leaving, blah, blah, blah. And he was, he was pointing out that Aquaman, no matter how popular he is currently, he is always going to be on the bubble in DC's world. Batman, no matter how low Batman sales dip, they will find a new creative team to put on Batman. Batman will never be canceled. They'll just say, well, this, this Batman isn't working. But Aquaman doesn't have that luxury. And so to me, you have to keep buying the book, Frank. You have to. So like I said, I'll send you the three bucks a month via PayPal if that's what it takes. He might hold you up on that. Yeah, um, maybe so. He, now, he did say something here which I found incredibly ironic because I had been thinking the exact same thing. You know, we've been talking about who could replace the guys on Aquaman. And there is a particular artist that I am very fond of who drew Teen Titans for a while that I really dug his stuff. And his name's Eddie Barrows. Mm. And I, th- I think he's drawing Hawkman right now, if I remember right. I'm not, no, Luke, you can fact check me on that. But anyway, he writes Eddie Barrows is an artist that I've enjoyed looking at who, is very con- who has been very consistent in not working on books I'm willing to read. Though I came close with even uh, with New 52 Nightwing. The right writer and Barrows could bring me back to a book after skipping the Ocean Master arc and sustain the momentum of the book's relaunch. Eddie Barrows, I think, could do a pretty pretty decent Aquaman book. He'd be great. Um, he's also not a big enough name so that you know you would risk losing him right away to another book as well. I just, I just think he's great. I think I, I agree with Frank, and I had been thinking the same thing myself. Kind of scary that Frank and I are actually on the same wavelength. All right. Comments from Firestorm fan. Um, this is from the Dragon Con episode. Got a nice comment from Keith Samra. Keith is a fan going back to um, the views from the Longbox episodes I used to do with Michael Bailey. So uh, he just says, it's always good to have Shag and Mike back together on a podcast. So thank you, Keith. Thanks for being such a long-time listener. We appreciate that. Got a lot of comments from Frank um, from, the, from the Dragon Con episodes. You know, no shocker there. Um, but, you know, we, we talk about how – on that episode, and you and I spoke a little bit, how everyone has – a period uh, where they go through a Batman phase, you know, it's a, whatever, however you want to describe it. But he, he says, let me join the choir as a guy who started reading comics with Batman, peaking in the late 80s with the work of Frank Miller, Jim Starlin, and Alan Moore. I've also lost pretty much all interest in Batman by the late 1990s. Today, it's almost impossible to motivate me to read anything Batman. I don't even care much for the Nolan films. Whoa, yeah. Avengers! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... But I just, it's, I, I truly believe that everyone goes through a Batman phase. You know, it's, you know, you're curious, you're young, you're in college, you experiment a little, and then, you know, you eventually you will come out of it. But, wow. <laughs> Ryan, Dave, what's that? <laughs> just wow. That's all I'm going for. Going for a bi curious comparison. Anyway, uh, Ryan Daly talks about how Rob's voice sounds a little off in this episode. I agree. Because it was Michael Bailey, obviously, or, uh, and, everything. and me, and my voice was gone. But I do like how he ta- when he's talking about Rob, because the last thing Fire and Water needs is for the Shrine correspondent to go all David Caruso circa 1993. <laughs> he blew on everybody. <laughs> I'm too big for this show. Right, exactly, exactly. Then Keith and Michael Bailey go back and forth about Superman 4 a bit, which is pretty funny. All right. Uh, Firestorm fan Aquaman number 12 commentary. Basically, that boiled down to a bunch of people trying to tell me I'm wrong. And let me tell you, folks, that's a sure way to get read on our show. <laughs> you so, betcha. Uh, moving on. No, um, <laughs> I had read some uh, commentary from Keith Samra. He had some suggestions for Justice League movie. Because you and I had gone back and forth about the Justice League movie and how we didn't think – I didn't think uh, – I thought skipping the Christopher Nolan versions of Batman and Superman in a Justice League movie was a mistake. I didn't think having multiple versions of Superman and Batman on the film – you know, in film at the same time was a good idea. And the guys all came back here with other ideas, kind of, you know, cool multiverse ideas. They're worth reading. So go out to the uh, episode 30 
um, entry on the Firestorm fan and check it out. The guy, cynical, uh, Daniel Cynical Adams and Chad Bokelman and Keith Sammer kind of go back and forth talking about it. They got some good ideas, so, um, but they're wrong. So, I want to give a shout out to our friends on Twitter. Uh, remember, folks, please use the hashtag poundfwpodcast. That's fwpodcast. That will help everyone find the comments and will make my job a lot easier when I'm trying to pull together all this damn uh, feedback. <laughs> little plea for me there. Anyway, um, you're supposed to laugh, Rob. Oh, am I? Okay, thanks. Remember we made this deal? You know, I would laugh at your stupid jokes if you laugh at my stupid jokes. I don't recall that deal at all. All right, well. All right. Uh, giving shout-out thank yous to folks on Twitter. We've got Randy Caldwell, Caldwell, who's Mr. Perturbed, Keith Samra at Kalal Samra, Lee Novak at Lee Novak 16, Luke Dobb at Dobb Creative, the most dashly creative man, uh, Kichi Baker at KGBUNC, Andy Capellish, who's Cap underscore L, uh, comicbooks.com, which is uh, CBDCU, Clint Buckler, which is the Clintro, SRJ Vaughn, which is SRJ Vaughn, surprisingly. The Lantern Cast, which is Lantern Cast. Bradley Lever, which is B Lever 03. Michael Bailey at Bailey's Podcast. Bill Bailey at BB Netman. Hector Negrete at Bauhaus 45. La Cueve del Nerd at Cueve del Nerd. Raul Cotto Verified at Mass Fuego. Girls Gone Geek, who I had lunch with today, by the way. At Girls Gone Geek with underscores in between. Detective 27, which is Tweets of the Bat. Donald Miller, which is Big Donnie M82. Alan Middleton, who goes by Professor Allen, Kai Charles, which is Yogi Kai, Tower of Fate, which is the same, R. Baron, which is the Robber Baron, iGlobalCast.com, which is iGlobalCast, Barry Reese, which is Barry Reese Pulp, Aaron Du DeLotter? DeLotta? Something mm, like that. Something like goes that. by Dolly DeLotta. Gustav Jorge goes by, uh, I always say this guy's name wrong, I'm sorry, but uh, Jiorfi underscore Might, and then Speed Force, which is Speed Force. Uh, org, which is our buddy Kelson over the Speed Force site, which is great. We really appreciate it. A um, couple comments worth mentioning. Uh, La Cueva del Nerd you know, comes in and says, uh, talking about the Dragon Con episode, so far the weirdest show, not only for Rob's absence, but also the voice of Firestorm fan. And he says, I should uh, drink some Mai Tais before doing the show. <laughs> uh, and Keith here is a good sport. He says he enjoys, uh, it was good-natured ribby, he, ribbing. He now is uh, officially joins the alumni of people Shag has told you're wrong. which <laughs> is big group. Right, which is in reference to that Justice League movie. And Keith, congratulations, you are still wrong. So we're going to go ahead and hold the Facebook and Google Plus commentary for next show. Like I said, we're trying to split up the commentary. I do want to say you guys, uh, you guys got active on both sites. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. I did want to mention one comment from Facebook, though, from David J. Dixon. Nice to see Shag and Bailey back together again. Sorry, Mike. Rob's FDR is funnier. Oh, Thank you, David. I appreciate that. Michael Bailey. Oh, God. I don't know if it's funnier or just worse. But anyway, <laughs> Michael Bailey's crying now. I um, am going to say that when the Bill Murray movie comes out where he plays FDR, people are going to say that his FDR is not as good as mine. I'm making that prediction well, now. We'll have to see. <laughs> That'll be another one of those. Go to the tapes, folks. Um <laughs> So on, uh, we got mentioned on a couple other websites, comicbook.com, um, Andy Kapelish had, I, I don't know whether he wrote the article or it was articles about him. I apologize. He did. He, did. he wrote the article. Yeah, okay. He had done some comic book redesigns for Aquaman and he gave a shout out to our podcast. So he thank did. you very much. Yes. And then over on speedforce.org, we got a shout out for, um, the Dragon Con episode. So we really appreciate that. Over on Tumblr, we got a few new followers. Just want to say hey to you guys. FKA Jason, SPP. Uh, KGBUNC, KG Baker, that guy is everywhere. Uh, Dave's Amazing World of Comics, Alex Alex Attack, 
and uh, Ryani. And uh, for those for those sites that are actually just bots uh, sending spam, thanks. We appreciate the follow. So. <laughs> And then we're going to go on to some emails. Yes, we got one from Jack Dower, who was, I think, the main character on 24, and he sent us a bunch of points. (laughs) And one of them was, uh, the Who's Who podcast taught us that continuity can be fun. If they did a Who's New in the 52 series, would you cover it? Uh, We'll get to that when we do the next Who's Who episode. We owe you guys one. We are way behind on that. Um, We will be covering that in some capacity, so yes. The Who's number four, and we will mention the Who's Who in the new 52. Yes. And it's ironic, he asked if they did one. I, that's true, people. yeah. Uh, and then, bam, they did. Look at that, Jack. You have amazing power. Um, things. Don't use your powers for good. Lottery not numbers, please, Jack. Um, he write, I was amazed to find out that when Rob is recording a DragonCon episode, he sounds exactly like Michael Bailey. Will Shag ever, be, be, ever begin to sound like Jeffrey Taylor? Only time will tell. Oh, jeez. I hope not. That's a from crisis to crisis reference for those of you folks who uh, aren't following Michael yeah. Bailey. Wow, yeah. that even went over my head. Um and uh, I was shocked to learn that Firestorm's favorite hero was Aquaman. I saw it on the train, so it must be true. Uh. <laughs> and he asked, what are our favorite memories from Fire and Water Year One? That's a big question. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I think my favorite part of the show is um, there's probably... Shag and I try and record these as close to the release date as possible. That way they are sort of current. You know, We don't want to like, bank them a month in advance because then things get sort of stale. There is that, like, 24-hour period where Shag and I have finished the show and it's up and it's ready, but you guys don't know what's up yet. Like, we know it's it's coming. And that is – I don't know. Like, to me, that's the part I enjoy the most because I'm, like, proud of the show. I think it's – I think we've done a good job. Um, we could be a lot better, but but I'm, I'm proud of what we've been doing. And I'm, like, excited that we have another one finished ready to go up because I know people are going to, like, react to it well and – enjoy it so like that sort of like sense of anticipation that there's uh, another one coming that's it's the, pro- it's the night before christmas that's right I, I was just talking i understand you don't want to wait for the <laughs> five <laughs> effing seconds for me to finish my nice story but that's fine it's the night before christmas that's it's, the same feeling yeah okay you just pissed all over it see, it's fine see what <laughs> took you five minutes to say i said in like i don't know what six words or something my favorite part of the show is imagining shag's death goes through every episode so i don't know i paid that guy to to mess up your parachute and he didn't follow through so i'm canceling the check you broke my coccyx that's i didn't i didn't pay five thousand dollars to have your coccyx broke five thousand i would have messed up my parachute do- for five thousand dollars you know how many firestorm comics i could have bought um I think you're missing the my favorite moments from fire and water year one it's tough um kind of like rob is sort of a big picture i just i really I'm thrilled that the, the podcast exists. Yeah. You know, I can't tell you how many times I run into people and they're like, what do these two characters have to do with each other? Nothing. <laughs> I'm like, absolutely nothing other than Rob and I are secretly friends and don't play that on, on, on the air. And yeah, uh, we just have fun with it. We're both passionate about the characters. I'm thrilled that it exists. And I really, in all honest and trueness, I really enjoy recording every week with Rob and I'll be honest, folks. He's he's become a real friend. Oh, and okay. I now I'm just going to interrupt Shag the way he did to me. So let's move on. Hector, All right, there uh, it is. Okay, yeah, uh, save me some embarrassing moments. Coxix, um, Hector Negrete said, "What would your take on Jeff Johns? What who what what would be what say nuclear? Um, what would be your what, 
Mr. What would be your take on Jeff Johns going for Justice League of America with the not confirmed rumor that he might be leaving Aquaman? How would you like to see who would you like to see running Aquaman in the case he did leave the title? And how would you feel about Adrian Sayef taking the monthly art on Aquaman? I don't want to say anything. You know, I'm not a huge fan of of Mr. Sayef's work. Um, I, I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I'm just not a huge fan the way I'm kind of the other guy. So, but at the same time, you know, everybody can. You know, maybe you can, like, rise to the occasion kind of thing. So, you know, if, if he ends up being the Aquaman artist, we'll support him and we'll want to interview him for the Shrine and be a big booster for him like we would anybody. So um, I have my, you know, favorites who I'd love – like I said, I think Ilderay would be a great choice. Um, in terms of writer, you know, I don't know. I just – I'm not up on the current comic writers. I think the guys that I would pick would be the guys DC would never in a million years pick. Never in a million years. So I kind of like don't even offer suggestions because it's I'm probably so out of touch with, with who would be in the running for that kind of job. Eddie Barrows. Okay. Uh, he went on to give some commentary on Firestorm. I mean, just being very blunt and very honest and talking about Firestorm sales are not good and his reasons for feeling that way and, and agreeing with that. You know, some of the problems have been on the book. And uh, but he did come in to say, "I'm dying to see what Dan Jurgens brings to the table. I believe he'll take it to Conway's roots on this whole new universe." And you know what? You're right, uh, Hector. I just read an interview with Dan Jurgens recently where he's talking about how um, how uh, Dan, uh, how Jerry Conway was just totally onto something and how those issues are really great. So. And he gives he gives us a tag here. Uh Aviva El Fuego y Montoy I'm sorry, Monta La Ola, which is fan the flame and ride the wave in Spanish. I want to learn how to say that more fluently because I want to end the show every episode with that. Really? Yeah, I do. I love it. Power power to you, brother. I I, um, try. I just but I don't want to say it like in that broken kind of so I have to like to practice it or something like that. Right. We, we got a nice couple emails from Angie uh, Capellish talking about um, some of the stuff he's been doing with CBDCU uh, about Mara. And also uh, he's, he, he wrote us to say that the listener feedback is one of the highlights of the show. It provides with information, a director of nuclear cells we, connect with on, we can connect with online to discuss our favorite comics. He's glad it's back in a big way. And uh, he refers to himself as a one-time Steam Award-winning podcast listener, Angie Capellish. <laughs> Uh, also, just want to give a shout out. Thank you to Randy Collins, one of my buddies, who gave me a nice email, just complimenting the podcast. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, and we're gonna wrap up. We got some great iTunes reviews. Thank you so much. We went from like forty-one Woo! to forty-five, which is great. I love it. Uh, we got and, in, and and why did those happen? What? what? Oh, I, I yelled, oh, I yelled, you yelled at them. At people, all right. You can cut this out of the podcast, but remember, I yelled at them a couple yes. episodes yes. with reverse psychology. Okay, and I, saying you know it might work. What and do, it did. What they I, left a bunch of reviews. And now all those guys that haven't left reviews yet, all those guys that haven't left reviews yet will get off their butts and write us some nice reviews on iTunes. They'll get off their hemorrhoid pillows and they'll write us a nice review. Oh. Um, so. Played. Anyway, we got one from uh, Garrick McNiter, who uh, might be the son <laughs> of Dr. Dr. McNiter. I'm not sure. He a- writes, a- a- Garrick. Huh? And Jay Garrick. And Jay Garrick. Yes, there you go. An amazing podcast. This is an amazing podcast. While on paper, a show about Aquaman and Firestorm together it might seem like a weird idea, it comes together rather nicely. Rob and Shag have a great, if not a slightly antagonistic rapport. But what? We know, <laughs> but we know it's an all good, clean fun. Uh, that's not the point. That's not true. So it comes off as charming <laughs> and not annoying. The mix of older material with the new issues makes for a well-rounded show, and I always love to hear people talk about characters they are passionate about. Check this show out. You won't be disappointed. Put this stuff in your ears. You will be happy. 
Obviously, uh, he hasn't uh, he hasn't heard this episode yet. No, I guess so. Well, we can always like to disappoint people. We got another one from Bill Bailey, who is AKA BB Netman. BB Netman here, and I have an amazing deal for you. Subscribe to this podcast for free and prepare to be entertained. This is how a comic podcast should be, and they broke the mold on the Fire and Water podcast by Robin Chag. None better. Wait, are you you are not an Aquaman or Firestorm fan? Doesn't matter, fanboy. You will be after one listen. Take it. <laughs> Uh, we got one from Daniel Cynical Adams, which is a little self-serving considering he did the theme for us. Um, <laughs> the closest, the closest you can get to—it's like Bob Dylan reviewing his own album on iTunes. Um, the closest you can get to the two most groovy members of the DC without getting your feet wet or burned off. So thank you, Dan. But I'm bummed. And then finally, we got one from Minpin 1985. I love those dogs. Uh, I just recently, I just recently found the podcast. I love Aquaman. This is a great podcast with two guys that genuinely like. Uh, like and care about the characters. Good reviews and insights. Never read Firestorm, but after listening to the podcast, and I'm going to start reading Firestorm, but Aquaman is still better. They <laughs> ride the wave. Thank you, Minpin. You had to end it with that one, didn't you? He did. Or she <laughs> did. I don't know. Minpin could be one. Well, I mean, that's our last piece of listener feedback, too. Yeah. Oh, you mean me? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You planned that well, sir. I did. Thank you. Well, folks, thank you so much for all of the feedback. Uh, you nuclear subs are absolutely amazing. Keep the comments coming. As I said, next episode, we will finish up the comments um, that we've got from other episodes in Facebook and Google Plus and all of the various stuff. Um, great community of nuclear subs we've built here, Firestorm Aquanats and Matchheads. And uh, we just we sincerely appreciate it. It really is uh, heartwarming to us, and we'll keep cranking out these shows as long as you'll listen to them. And actually, even after you stop listening to them, we're probably still doing We're having fun. <laughs> Just keep going. <laughs> so, Rob, why don't you tell the folks where they can find your little site? AquamanShrine.com, <laughs> <laughs> Facebook and Twitter, and technically Google+. No, no, technically not. Now, but. I use Google+. I use it for Ace Killer and I use it for my illustration. So you can't say I'm, I'm a hater of Google+. I just don't use it for the shrine. So Aquaman hates Google+, is what you're saying? Yes, he does. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Uh, you can find Firestorm Fan at FirestormFan.com. We are on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Google+, and Tumblr, all under the same. And, Rob, why don't you tell the folks where they can find our Tumblr for this show? Yes, fireandwaterpodcast.tumblr.com, and our email address is firewaterpodcast at comcast.net. Fantastic, folks. Uh, until next time, fan the flame and ride the wave. Aviva el fuego y manta la ola. Yeah, what he said. That's pretty good, I thought. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice in sea, on land, in air. Firestorm and Aquaman, they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah! Hi, my name is Dr. Kim McCoy. I'm a holistic chiropractor from San Francisco, California. And this is how to treat pain from a broken tailbone. First of all, the tailbone is a tiny little bone, also known as the coccyx, at the end of this larger triangular-shaped bone called the sacrum, at the bottom of the spine. The tailbone is um, almost always broken in some kind of a fall, a hard land 
right on right on the butt.